Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Diana Dini. And this is Carl Carlson. Hi, Carl. Hi, Diana. We were talking offline and, well, actually, I'm going to be honest. Uh, We were uh, scheduled to talk about some topics. So I went on to an artificial intelligence and AI and started doing some prompting. (laughs) And it gave me a result that I thought was pretty interesting that I wanted to talk with you about. And that was um, the relationship of a company culture being innovative and forward-thinking and really creative and the relationship of quality and reliability to that because sometimes people think they are opposing forces. Like you can't have quality and reliability and be innovative at the same time. Uh, that they have to be completely separate. And I know some companies have separate departments. There's the innovative group and they come up, they do trials, experiments, they come up with an idea and then they pass it off to more of a sustaining group to develop it with quality and reliability. But with your experience, I wanted to get your viewpoint of this, this intersection of culture of innovation versus a culture of design for reliability. So do you, do you have any initial thoughts on that? Oh yeah, I, I sure do, Diana. The Oh, good. A lot of thoughts popping forward here. <laughs> and that's what's <laughs> fun about podcasting is the, 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 the thoughts sort of uh, jump up and, and uh, one of them is uh, there's always been an innovative um, string or, thread in um, science and engineering um but it's it, it 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 has to be in the culture and that's what what fascinates me about this uh, subject and I'm so glad your AI program uh popped up with this one the uh, <laughs> if you think back to Bell Labs for years ago and many other companies like that they had phenomenal creative research occurring uh and it was part of the organization um, some organizations called it R and D, research and development. The uh, but the idea there was the company culture was really open. 3M was another one that started out that way with great company culture on uh, innovation, and uh, uh, and it was cherished. What's the right word? Valued uh, within the company, the ideas, uh, and you have to be of the. Uh, uh, opinion, or you have to value uh, creativity with the idea that not all of these ideas are going to work. And that's the interesting thing about, uh, if you look at brainstorming as a topic, uh, brainstorming says, let's be very creative and come up with ideas. And you have to suspend the critique of the ideas in order to get the flow going. And so you have this flow of ideas, and now, okay, we're done brainstorming for a minute, now let's start critiquing them. And they go, that's a stupid idea, that's a stupid idea. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying that kind of silly, but the 
In other words, you critique the ideas at that point. So you got to have both the evaluation, but you have to have the space and the value and the opportunity to be creative. And so how you do that is just a fascinating subject. I, I'd like to uh, explore some different ideas with you during this podcast of how you can um, increase the opportunity for innovation and creativity while at the same time having your skills of evaluation and problem solving and narrow downs and trade-offs without, without uh, what's the word, hindering either one. Yeah, because it's really easy for one to step on the other. It is. And I, I think a lot of companies um, struggle with with that, even from a big project point of view. Um, you know, I, I learned about uh, Pan Am and some of their development products. They were a really successful company, and they kept trying to do the innovation and spend time and exploring innovation outside of the sustaining kind of mentality like hey we've got something working let's you know keep it going but the sustaining just funded the innovation and and drained the company and there there were some developments within the apple company um too that that kind of did a flop there was the same kind of story um but in both of those examples they kind of tried to keep the innovative groups separate from the sustaining groups and they treated them like different projects they were kind of isolated from each other but i know that there's an overlap in the middle so now you, you said you had lots of ideas that were bubbling up when i introduced this topic so i'd like to hear what your ideas are what's what's one of them well uh, one of them is the is the i'll call it a hybrid on the subject which is we want to work in the direction of creating the culture of innovation with all the employees, not just the innovation group. And so you want to have that culture of creativity with, with everyone. Um, and so there's a certain amount of um, work that a reliability engineer can do, for example, because we're talking to a lot of reliability engineers on the podcast. There's a certain amount of work that we can do as reliability engineers to open our minds to new ideas, new opportunities, I'll call it inside-out thinking, mm -hmm. where you're exploring new things, while at the same time being very skilled on outside-in thinking, which is, okay, here's an idea, then let's evaluate it and see if it would work. So I want to have all the employees have a creativity streak, so to speak, and make it safe and okay to be creative. At the same time, it's good to have, uh, some companies call them skunk works. I was, uh, in fact, I was listening to a uh, a book a recent, not recent, within the last couple of years. No, uh, I'm sorry, Carl. From, Did you say skunk works? Yes, yeah, skunk works. Okay. <laughs> I'll, ex I'll explain that. I was uh, reading a book, actually listening to a book on Steve Jobs by Walter Isaacson. So it's a biography. And, uh, and Steve Jobs used the term skunk works, which is the same term we used in General Motors years back. But it's a it's a small group of people that are sectioned off to work on an innovative new idea. And they don't have the same um, 
budget constraints. They don't have the same reporting structure as a regular project. Right. And so it's just a term that's used for uh, innovative new ideas. And the so having an organization that values that and allows for the development of new ideas and and understanding some of them are going to fail. Some of them will fail miserably. And, and you don't want to end people's careers when you don't want to get this idea that, well, if I make a mistake, because the safe thing is to not innovate. I'll put quotes around safe. Mm-hmm. In other words, okay. the, for an individual, the safe thing is just to do what you're told. And I don't like that. I would much rather see people take risks and chances uh, with coordination with management, obviously, because some of the great breakthroughs have been those ideas that didn't make any sense at first. I'll I'll tell a side story here. Um, back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, I don't have the, the dates exactly right, but General Motors had what they called EV, EV1, electric vehicle one. And it was, GM was ahead of a lot of other manufacturers on electric vehicle. But then the management said, we're not getting a profit from this. And they ended this, I'm short cutting the story a lot, but they sure. ended the EV program because it wasn't profitable. And they would have been way ahead of uh, Toyota and others had they continued and kept that going and nurtured it in spite of its lack of profitability at first. Um, so now, now you know, later it's catch up. Um, so there's a management has to be willing to nurture and grow ideas, even if they're not profitable at first, in order to allow that creativity to blossom. So there's a so much to this. When I said I have an explosion of of thoughts, those are some of the thoughts that uh, went flying around in my head. <laughs> well, and really, when you're innovating. You um, when you're trying to come up with those new innovative ideas, you you have to have a different measure of success with that. Not not only expecting more failures and more more experimentation, um, but there there should be baked in you know some level of a, a kill criteria, for lack of a better word. Just, okay. So so that you know if you are innovative you're innovating, you're coming up with an idea. If you haven't figured out some of the more complicated things first, then you need to be able to understand that and then decide, is this something we're going to be able to develop in the time that we want? Or is it going to be making a big enough difference in the long term? Or should we get rid of it? And maybe profitability is not the right metric to be looking at not not the near-term profitability but um having different measures of success for those innovative ideas barely that's insightful the uh if you put the profitability too early on a new project or a new concept let's put it that way on a new concept then you're gonna it's gonna shut off because very often a new concept isn't profitable initially this runs counter the idea of swapping executives every couple of years because the executive wants to see on their metrics 
that they've achieved the right improvements. And if you put too much emphasis on the profitability of a new concept, then it can um, not be supportive of that, the growth and nurturing of that concept. And I wanted to shift to, um, let's look inside of an FMEA, for example. Okay. And see how we apply this. So you have an FMEA team and you're wrestling with a cause, maybe you have a a certain type of material and it's corroding or it's fatiguing or it's or you have some kind of EMI problem and and the FMEA team is brainstorming what you might do about it. Um, that's a great example of brainstorming because you might you want the team to come up with the best possible solution if they can. Uh, make sure we get to the right cause, make sure we've got the right mechanisms of failure. And then what can we do about it? A good facilitator will nurture that creative instinct in people and prevent others from shutting it down. And the way I do that as a facilitator is I say, okay, team, we're going in brainstorm mode. So I actually create some space for the idea of brainstorm time. And during brainstorm time, I want ideas that can be crazy. I don't care how crazy they are. I want them to be voiced because very often a gem will be sitting below the surface and would not be voiced until they get some of the other ones that are not workable out in the open. And if you if somebody says, that's stupid, that's not going to work too early, then that gem will never come forward. So I like to use the, okay, start a brainstorming blah, 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 and uh, somebody's taking notes. Okay, end of brainstorming. Now let's critique. I like, tried to give it its own space like that. What do you think about that possibility? Yeah, I I know what you mean. It's a, like a structured brainstorming. So so you're within the confines of an FMEA, of a potential failure or cause, and you're trying to explore that. So it's not the freewheeling Hey everybody, throw up <laughs> any sort of every any idea, but but yeah, you do have to suspend judgment because that does shut everything down. Um, but that's kind of structured brainstorming, um, and then having discussions to clear not to clarify anybody's ideas, but so that everybody understands each idea in the same way. And then being able to um, use some some team discussion in order to decide what the next steps are. So nobody's, you know, nobody turns into presenter. No one starts presenting their idea and and the benefits of it. But but it's just the ideas are put out there, and then the team discusses the the different benefits or or even like to borrow from the uh, the innovation, uh, not the innovation, the, the play, the, the plays when you're, uh, just coming up with ideas like the yes. And so if you see an idea is there a way you can build off of it, you know, I like this part of the idea. What can we do with that? Um, in, mm. in keeping it like that, uh, the discussions like that. Sure. 
the uh, and I, then I think of the way you're describing it, then you can say, okay, let's now move into evaluation. And so we have these 10 ideas. Now we can do the critique. We can say, here's where that will work. Here's where it won't work. Here's what's wrong with it. If you if the if an individual in the team says that won't work too early in the brainstorming process, it shuts off the valve. In other words, people are not just not going to speak up. It's it's not enjoyable to be, um, and the ideas aren't as forthcoming. So I just think it's important to uh, nurture creative instincts. I researched this in in my uh, book on FMEA, a section on creativity. And so I researched, I got about six or seven books on creativity and dove into them as to what's the essence of creativity. And it's the willingness to look at new ideas and to see how things connect one idea with another that haven't been thought of before, or maybe not thought of uh, consciously. And that willingness is very much a willingness. In other words, you have to, um, there has to be a space for it to occur. And it's really easy to shut that off. Self-censoring or external censoring. So however a company can foster that creative instinct in people is really important. And I think it's also important for people to recognize everyone can be creative to some degree. And, and you can enhance your creative instincts by practice. So I see. I, so if I'm hearing what you're saying, the intersection of the innovation and quality and specifically reliability work in in any kind of design process is maybe not the big innovation projects that you think of and you think, oh, innovation. But it can also be the smaller team activities that you're doing in any normal product development process. So a reliability engineer could encourage a team to be innovative when they're exploring a particular cause of an FMEA. But um, the reliability engineers can just give space for the team to do that innovation um, within the design projects at smaller intervals. Did I, did I hear that right? That's a good way to summarize it. And you actually built on it very nicely, which is there, there's, there's, there's like a continuum there. Uh, in some cases, you could have an entire innovation organization that's dedicated to um, the, the skunk work type projects that uh, we talked about. Um, but there's also a continuum there that goes all the way down to the individual and everybody's job where you can foster creative ideas in the way you approach your work. So from from one person being creative on how they approach their work, then, then a team being creative on how they do methods, maybe a problem-solving method or even a HALT project where you, or a design of experiments is a good example where you can uh, be creative on understanding what can those influencers be and all the way up to the way an organization is organized to have a separate organization uh, sometimes that'll work, sometimes it won't. So there's a, a continuum there of um, of innovative approaches. So it's not just how you organize the company. It's fostering individuals. Everybody in the company has a innovative role on the, the way they approach their work. 
And some of that with with the individual that we're we're both engineers, right? Um, mm-hmm. So so we, I don't know, and I think an engineering degree just gives you a different way to think and to learn about the world. Um, it's kind of shaded everything in my life since I became an engineer, and that's not a bad thing. Um, so so individually, that's um, good to foster. Reliability engineers, I think, uh, as an engineer, they're already a little bit creative. But to foster that a little more just in myself, I like to read um, the books about design processes. Um, And it sounds like you like to read some books about creativity, too. So to foster your own individual creativity, um, are there other things that you do besides um, maybe reading some books that you do to improve that for yourself? I think the, uh, that's a great question, Diana. The, uh, I think that reminding myself to be a good listener, to not be too quick to critique other people. In other words, give, give other people their space to explore ideas and to, I'll call it the Socratic method, to explore ideas by asking questions is a great way to foster innovation. So rather than trying to be, I'll just take an extreme, extreme, you know, somebody who would be kind of pompous and would show people how good they are and how they can critique anything. That's not a way to foster creativity. The way to foster creativity, and this is this is what I try to practice, and I'm not, I've got a long ways to go to be better and better at this. I don't think there's any limit to how good you can be. But to use the Socratic method of uh, asking questions of people and instead of telling them, you can teach by asking questions. You can learn by asking questions. Having your mind open to listen to others creates a space for innovation and creativity, I think. And then just being um, humble about it, um, yeah. which, which is what you're getting to. Just a certain sense of humbleness. And being open to questioning so you can learn from other people, because other people can certainly teach you new things, Um, maybe not necessarily how to do a reliability halt test, but there are other things that people um, will open your eyes to if you listen. And that kind of goes into the coaching aspect of being a reliability engineer. Whenever um, I, if I read a coaching book, like the coaching habit um, or something, something for managers about how to work with people, I think a lot of those same lessons can apply to reliability engineers too. Uh, You can act like a coach or follow some of those coaching principles to keep your mind open and uh, keep, keep the questions coming and be able to foster that innovation. You had a, you had a good uh, a good way to describe that. I appreciate that. Humility is really important. If you come across as somebody that has all the answers, it's not really a good way to influence others. Um, you want to listen to others and have a demeanor that has that values humility as well as as knowledge. And that's a great integration. I think the smartest people in the world are also can be very humble. Now, as far as the team level, so that's the individual level. But now there's innovation that can be done within a team. 
could be a product development team or an improvement team. Um, what are some of the things that teams can practice to help foster that innovation idea? I think that's going to come to the same thing as the individuals. The you want to the team needs to create the space. There needs to be an agreed upon space to be creative, and and that's where I use trigger words like uh, okay, brainstorm time, and. And if the team then can be educated in brainstorming, which wouldn't take that long to do that, then that's a trigger word for people just to keep quiet about their critiques until the the innovation is fostered. So I think teams can develop spaces and uh, opportunities for creativity uh, so that the the process doesn't get shut down prematurely. I've seen people that are managing uh, continuous improvement groups. So these are groups of people that don't normally work together, but they are pulled together from different departments to solve a particular problem. And they set ground rules for themselves, much like what you're talking about. So if somebody would say brainstorm, they know now that this is a space for doing these kind of activities or to um, to be an open listener. Uh, so sometimes setting ground rules for yourselves and, and agreeing to them ahead of time before you start working can help foster that innovation space that teams need. It's a great point. If you're a listener and you have some ideas about, and I hope you do, about how to improve the innovation culture in a company while at the same time supporting quality and reliability, we'd love to hear from you. There's a balance between implementing Q&R and being innovative that I think is important for us to understand how, how that can be done. If uh, listeners have ideas, Diana, what should they do? Yes, go to a website address. Go to ascendoreliability.com slash go slash S-O-R. And you can leave a comment to the show there and someone will get it. Very good. We also, the all of us at, uh, that work within the Ascendo platform, have LinkedIn profiles, and you can also reach us uh, on the About page in uh, Ascendo Reliability. So great, great conversation. I'm really glad you uh, you brought up this uh, topic. Yeah, thanks, Carl. I've had a really enjoyable time talking with you today about different reliability topics. It's been a pleasure. Same with me. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation if you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show. Please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.